Welcome to the Resurrection People podcast with Preston Sharp, pastor of Sacrament Church in Nashville, Tennessee, and curator of The Art of Preaching. Each week, we look at three readings from the Bible, drawn from the Revised Common Lectionary. Find more at theartofpreaching.substack.com. Welcome back to the Resurrection People podcast. So we're wrapping up last week's readings today. Uh, Yesterday at church was a really busy, wonderful day. It was All Saints Sunday, and we uh, celebrated baptisms together. And honestly, by the end of the day, I was wiped out. So I didn't get to wrap up these readings talking about the gospel and then our typical Sunday benediction. So I hope to finish that up today. Uh, So we're continuing the readings from All Saints, All Saints Day or All Saints Sunday, depending on how you celebrate. And our gospel reading is from Matthew 5, 1 through 12. We've all heard this reading before. This is the Beatitudes. And it can be easy for us when we hear this to turn them into moral principles, to internalize this list that Jesus gives as commands to just do better. So when we hear blessed are the poor in spirit, we think it means I should be more poor in spirit. Or blessed are the meek. Well, I should be more meek. But notice the way Jesus talks about this is it's not prescriptive, it's descriptive. Jesus does not say, be more merciful. He says, blessed are the merciful. In a sense, the Beatitudes are a description of the saints, a particular way of being in the world which characterizes those called Christians. Now, this doesn't mean the saints always live this way or that they're perfect or that we um, are to only be you know, completely perfect in the standard of the Beatitudes. It means that this is the kind of life that we've stepped into. It's characterized by these things. And when we celebrate particular saints in the church, we are celebrating the ways in which this new way of being has shown forth in their lives. Jesus is describing what life looks like in his kingdom. Yes, this is what God's kingdom will look like when it comes in fullness, And this is what it looks like now. Jesus is proclaiming that this is happening. His kingdom is here and we are invited to look for it and to join it. But here's the challenge. The world doesn't always look this way, does it? Those who mourn are often uncomforted. The meek do not inherit the earth. Those who long for justice often die still longing for it. The ancient world was used to rulers coming in and changing everything. A new ruler would conquer or assume the throne, and then everything would change. The nation would begin to take the form and the shape of that ruler. In the New Testament, Christians are called exiles or resident aliens, and it's because we represent a different kingdom. So we have this odd responsibility. We don't engage our nation or our city as tourists. No, we're part of the economic and social fabric. We seek the welfare of our city, the shalom of our city, the flourishing of the place, the city, the country that we live in. And yet there is some sense in which we are ambassadors of a different kingdom. We represent a different kind of rule and reign in the world. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the idea of dependency and trust. In the old world, those who trust God rather than themselves, those who are not deemed self-sufficient enough, who come with empty hands, who recognize their own dependency, these are not the highly valued ones. But by contrast, the kingdom of God is built on dependency, built on recognizing our need for God. 
Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It's appropriate to grieve the wrongs of the world and in your life. Refusing to mourn over a tragedy and injustice is inherently dark because it hides what is really going on. By contrast, mourning says, this is real. In the old world, those who mourn often go uncomforted. But in God's new world, that comfort is near. We long for that day when, as our revelation set, a reading said, he will wipe every tear from our eyes. And we are invited to live that day here and now. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. In the old world, meekness feels like weakness. We're told that confidence is the way to get ahead in this world. To recognize our own brokenness and limitations is to be seen as weak and ineffective. But Jesus says meekness is actually part of the DNA of the new world. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. In the old world, those who long for justice just go on longing. Oh, how we've seen that with so many issues in our world today. In God's new world, there is true justice, the world made right. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. I wonder what forgiveness looks like in your life. When someone treats you wrongly, what is our typical response? It's so often to lash out at others. We might ask ourselves, what might it look like? What does it look like to be a merciful person? Especially towards those who are different from us. We don't have the same life experience. Those we don't understand. Are we able to turn to empathy and compassion and mercy? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. In the old world, the pure in heart are often told they're naive, that they need to figure out how the real world works. In God's new world, it is those who are pure in heart who see God himself. My prayer in my own life is, God, may I be a person who longs to put things right. May I long for things to be restored and made new. When you have the opportunity, do you long for things to be made right? Or do you long for what benefits you? This is a question for all of us. This may be indicative of the ways we've been formed. So the answer here, if we recognize that we're not turning towards doing right in our lives, the answer is not just do better, but receive that grace that God has for you. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. In the old world, peacemaking seems like a futile effort. Peace often in our world is experienced for a period of time, and yet it seems like the human heart is just always bent towards war. In stark contrast, in God's new world, it is the peacemakers who are God's children. Sometimes in our thirst for justice, we respond with violence. But Jesus chose a different pattern. It is possible to hunger and thirst for justice or for righteousness and also to be a peacemaker. Some like to cite the story of Jesus overturning tables in the temple as a rationale for righteous violence. That's in John chapter 2. But this misses the point. Jesus' clearing of the temple was inherently nonviolent. <laughs> he overturned tables, not people. We have in the old world this myth of redemptive violence, this idea that one act of violence will end all future acts, that if I could just act violently one time, it'll end it all. But that's never how it works. Violence always leads to more violence, always. Notice that we have both righteousness or justice and peacemaking together. This is because peacemaking is also truth-telling. 
Think about in South Africa after apartheid, Archbishop Desmond Tutu headed up the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. It was an opportunity for stories of injustice to be heard and to be dealt with. It was an opportunity that th- for things that were hidden by darkness to come into light so that they might be healed. Peacemaking is not just peacekeeping. It's not the absence or prevention of conflict. Peacemaking is the active addressing of brokenness and the process of healing. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In this world, those who are persecuted for the sake of Christ often see no relief. There are still many who are persecuted for their faith all around the world. Jesus spoke these words in the first century, and there would be many, many martyrs in the years to come. Jesus says this is how it works in the old world. Anytime someone proclaims the rule and reign of God, there's always opposition. But Jesus says there is something on the other side of that suffering and that the suffering is not in vain. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is so incredibly difficult. We think about Jesus intentionally allowing himself to suffer the pain of the world. And he does so not in a way that's codependent, because codependency keeps things in the dark. Rather, by his death, Jesus revealed the wickedness of the world, thereby bringing light and conquering darkness. This is what God's kingdom will look like when it comes in fullness. And this is what it looks like now when we see his kingdom at work. Jesus is not predicting his kingdom. He is proclaiming his kingdom. It is happening right now. His kingdom is here, and we are invited to look for it and to join it. Thanks for listening to the Resurrection People podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review to help us get the word out. You can hear full sermons at sacramentchurch.com and find out more at theartofpreaching.substack.com.